This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, world. This is Jordan Cruciola, your co-host in all things cinematic disaster with my with my fellow co-host, Amanda Smith. And today I'm I am especially excited anytime we get to talk about an Australian movie. So I am especially excited today because we are talking about the um to be determined 2007-2008 movie, unclear when the exact release date was. Rogue, which is a when crocodiles attack movie uh, set in Australia that I what an ensemble cast it has and and what fun I had watching it. Yeah, no, this was a surprisingly large cast for such a small movie. It was quite the ensemble. It was quite the ensemble um, and and a fun and innovative use of um I guess erstwhile would be the term I would use. Leading man, <laughs> Sam Worthington. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was that was a fun one. Jordan, do you want to do a quick summary of what it was about? Yeah, uh, Rogue, which is directed by Australian horror specialist Greg McLean, who has also brought you Wolf Creek and the Belko Experiment. Um, it is about. Look, it's funny. The Wikipedia describes. Uh, rugged American adventure journalist Pete McKell. That is not how I would describe him, but we'll get to that. Yeah, no, well, Pete McKell would not describe himself as a rugged adventure journalist played by Michael Varton. Pete Pete McKell seems to hate his job. Pete McKell admittedly hates animals. He, He is in no way rugged. He shows up knowing, even if it's it's an assignment he doesn't like, he shows up to the outback wearing like slacks and a blazer and a button down shirt. So there's absolutely actually nothing rugged about the man we open this movie with, but he is going to take a uh, river cruise uh, with uh, his, with trusty guide, Kate Ryan, Rada Mitchell. And this isn't just like a personalized cruise. He's not just like, Oh, I, I've got a, I've got a guide for the day. He's out with the whole tour group. And they're just checking out beautiful rock formations in a river valley. And when they see a distress signal go up in the distance, right when they're about to, they've reached the half point of their journey, they're about to turn back. Everybody needs to get home for the night and catch various buses. They see a distress flare go up. So it is Kate's obligation to go see uh, who might have sent that flare. But by the time they get there, all they find is an overturned boat. And they're in an area of country where they're really not supposed to be which is confirmed when an alligator, a crocodile, forgive me, a saltwater crocodile, the size of like a whole RV comes out of the water and starts picking people off. And they are twist on in a tidal river, meaning that water's going up and the little patch of island that they're on in, the, in this river is going to disappear. So it makes everything even more harrowing as they try to figure out how to escape the crocodile and escape the little tiny island in the river. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is, that is exactly, it is one of those beautifully simple concepts that, uh, yeah. and then we just have to sit and wait for the, see how the people will be eaten. 
Yeah, and it's as as we touched on before. There's Rodham Mitchell. There's Michael Varton. Sam Worthington shows up. Uh, Australian actor, uh, fave, genre fave John Jarrett is there in in a very muted turn. This is this is definitely not you know your Wolf Creek that you're looking at here. Mia Vashakovska is in it in oddly considering the profile of Mia Vashkovska's career, and she's quite young in this, her being in a movie about like a living dinosaur relic crocodile ripping people apart in a river in Australia is maybe the most normal movie Mia Vashkovska has ever been in. Uh, so, you know, a nice twist to see her play muted uh, in a not strange, frightening or alienating way. Great actress, interesting sensibility that I, I truly appreciate. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a real who's who of aughts era Australian talent. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is a, for such a large cast where, like, just to, I felt like there were a lot of times, this is too many people for this movie. Um, <laughs> like this, they, they really, it was as if they looked at the boat that they were going to use for their prop and they were like, well, we got to fill up all the seats, guys. Right. It needed to be a popular river cruising day. It it, they, it like couldn't be like a janky, yeah. this is just Kate Ryan and her boat taking tourists cash. Yeah. It, which, it, so there, it, it was, as they filled up that boat and they, I felt like with, cause as soon as, so early on in the boat cruise, or I guess if well into the boat cruise, teenage, the teenage girl is kind of sitting there and she's been fairly quiet through the whole thing. And she sees a the creepy man with the mustache in the back um, slowly dump out the ashes of a loved one into the water. And, and I believe Amanda is describing for you right now Mia Vashkovska and John Jarrett. Yes, those are the people. Um, as someone who's never watched a single genre genre film from <laughs> yeah. Australia, except for ones for this movie, for this for this podcast, yes, those are the people. Um, she like reacts and she really looks very sensitive and like she's really taking it in and feeling for him. And I was like, yay, this is going to be a not terrible disaster child. I'm so excited to see how she rises to the occasion. Um, and it was, I felt like a little, I was a little bummed because we didn't get much from her otherwise because there were so many people. Um, yeah. She was this mostly is a, this silent. Is a real, this is a real early Mia role. Um which, if you're like famously, she has played Alice in Wonderland in Tim Burton's Alice oh, in Wonderland. That's who that is. She, yeah, she was in Bong Joon Ho's only um, English language film, Stoker. She makes a lot of fucked up stuff that I'm not surprised you haven't seen. Like she was in Crimson Peak, and she was in the movie Piercing. Like, from but here's the thing: last I'm year, two years ago. So she always does crazy fucked up. So, oh, she's also in The Kids Are All Right. I know but who she is, is then. I just yeah. genuinely didn't put that together um, at yeah. all. Yeah. Okay. Wait, oh. I do, really quick, I do take umbrage with you saying that that's Bong Joon-ho's only English language film because he did also direct Snowpiercer. That's true. That's true. Just and not, I, not to derail the whole thing. Yeah, no, I no, just, no. I you're, just, you're right. I And I, I was broadly derail. generalizing that to like American English language, but you are 100% correct. Producer Jason coming in with the fact check. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no okay. we Jason, need accuracy. Jason we need accuracy in reporting. Jason keeps us honest. Jason makes sure that we sound good. And uh, sometimes Jason jumps in with talking about our buttholes. So Jason, yeah. the, the three things one wants from a producer in truth. I will say, as far as uh, Mia's filmography goes, this was only her second feature role after a series of shorts. Oh, okay. And then after that, she went into In Treatment, 
um, with a little arc on there, which is really what sprung her forward a bit. But yeah, so this is real uh, before she's got her before she's got her screen legs under her. So this is just a real um, real side character role. Yeah, but again, like in, in I feel as if if the movie had had maybe four fewer characters, we might have uh-huh. gotten a little more from her, which I would have really enjoyed um, because I think that as a character, she had a lot of potential. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Ab- Mia Voshkovska always has potential. And in this, she is the daughter of... She, they seem to be British folks, which it was... I I love that they, they cast an Australian actress to play the daughter of British tourists in this movie. Maybe that's um, why she barely talked. Yeah. She could, didn't have it mastered at that point, the the adeptness with uh, switching accents. Um, her, her dad uh, emerges as a bit of a heel. Her mom uh, seems to be terminally ill. Yes, that was the um, sense that I got as well. Yes, un, I think unclear. Um, what I presume cancer. She had mom. Uh, she had mom wasting disease. I think we've seen mom that wasting. Di- you're right. It's been a while since we've seen mom wasting disease. Yeah, she definitely had mom wasting disease. And so, just like yeah, because like that, you have your little. You have a family unit. You have your not grizzled reporter you have your boat captain you have your grieving widower you have the guy who's like really amped up on his amateur photography with his cool camera who is like the weekend warrior tourist and you have the chain smoking um woman who is like an interesting flavor of supporting character was she she scottish or irish i couldn't quite pick up what the accent was because she had two lines of dialogue but she was a chain smoking horny yeah horny sort of British yeah. territory lady. Yeah. Yeah. And then was that, is that all the ones no. that were in? No, then there was also um, the couple who hated each other. Oh, yeah, the couple. He was like, he, the one that the, that Sam Worthington calls John Wayne and then like his weirdly yeah, anxious they, uh, Like the American couple. Like yeah. they were the American couple, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a real, it's a mixed bag on this boat. Yeah. It's a lot of people. And then, and then, so on this boat, you've got all that and you have an adorable dog. Um, yes, Kevin. Kevin. Oh, Kevin. the real star of the movie as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. Kevin was the only one who I truly was like, Kevin better make it out alive. <laughs> because uh, that was the only character that I really felt I had a full understanding of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it was all that. And then on top of that, then there was Sam Worthington and Sam Worthington's like right. river buddy. Yeah, and he's like the local, presumably – dated Kate Ryan at one point and Sam then and it's Kate Ryan's greatest regret in this film y- y- and yes, like and yes. he's continuing to sexually harass her as she's trying to do her job like yes. he rolls up on a boat he harasses the entire group Michael Vartan and um Michael Vartan and American guy both kind of like half-heartedly say some snarky shit which yeah she Kate's like thanks for standing up and I'm like they seem like they just escalated the situation um, yeah, they didn't do. They didn't actually do anything to remedy. Yeah, the guy bullying her, like boarding her tour, her work tour boat, and bullying her, like playfully but also menacingly. Yeah, all they did was, um, all they did was poke at him. Yeah, all they did was like needle him, and that honestly, that did feel very real. Oh, extremely I was like, you know, what, in this real. situation, these two guys would just like make crack remarks. They wouldn't actually do anything to responsibly resolve this situation. This guy's on the boat that they're actually kind of intimidated by. Yeah. And instead of doing something substantial to like resolve what's going on, they're just going to like poke fun. Yeah. And probably make that guy more angry. 
That was, it was 100% like, I was waiting for her to turn to both and be like, you're not helping the situation. <laughs> yes. And instead, yeah. she was like, thank you both, my heroes. And I was like, no, Kate, let's not give them a cookie for sitting there and saying like one snarky thing, but not even standing out of their seat. Like both of them had their butts firmly planted on their yeah. bench seats. Um, and and did, t- did really believe that, like, that guy is real. The guy Sam Worthington was oh, playing is real. so believable. He, yeah, he would have definitely railroaded her day at work to, like, get his digs in yeah. about whatever because he's feeling insecure about how they ended. Yeah. No, I fully, fully bought all of that. Fully bought, like, just kind of his general river asshole vibe. Um, <laughs> yes. With their motorboat, like, cruising up, going too fast on the on the river, all of that. Fully believed it. Not caring that he's ruining the days of perfectly fine tourists. Just yeah, I I did like I I did believe many many guests as we had on this riverboat. I did believe kind of all of their characters, like yeah. the couple that was fighting with each other. The I I believed the guy the the like really condescending. I need to show off how big my camera is to this teenage girl and her parents. Guy, I was like, yeah, I know he's real. Oh yeah. Um. Michael Varton's character felt real because he's Michael Varton. And even though he's, like, always kind of, like, he often plays, like, a sweetheart character, he very believably has, like, douchebag energy. And they people love to, movies love to make a journalist a complete asshole. And I'm not saying that journalists, having been one for a very long time, are not often assholes. But in order to do your job in a very personnel-facing way, as we do... Uh, you can't just show up and be utterly disinterested in everything fucking happening around you. You do have to have a bit better people skills than he had. But like, yeah, for for the arc, it, they really solidly leaned into dick face journalist in Michael Varton's character. Um, yeah, so I, I felt I, I liked the collection of personalities that we got many as they were. Yeah, I, I got to say, Michael Varton's character, uh, the whole time I was like in the beginning, I was like, man you have a pretty sweet job that you really disproportionately seem to hate. Like you've been sent to the outback. You've been sent to the bush to like sit, go on a river cruise and write about alligators. River cruise. Yeah. It's like like, very low. It was just to to go see crocodiles and write about it. And he stumbles stumbles into a, a bar with eccentric characters in the beginning, um, which I, I like, the bar owner was terrible because the bar owner put a bug in his coffee for no discernible reason. <laughs> they didn't like they didn't like his vibe, and I can't blame him. I, I don't blame them, but it didn't seem like a choice, like a very strange, deliberate choice. Um, and and I was like, man, that's a great lead to your story. You stumble into this bar that seems like it's from you know the fifties, where you know the, when it was still a dusty untamed land well as we know amanda from that horrible vanity fair margot robbie profile yeah. that australia is just america 50 years ago oh my god you're right oh so, yeah there you know there it is that's the whole explanation of the country of the continent the entire continent 50 yes, years it's ago. america 50 years ago yeah that's why the when, kangaroos when are hopping, had, hopping around in in yep. three-piece suits Yep, that's exact that's exactly right. But yeah, it was just like, dude, you've got just a a bounty here of things that you could be writing about and interested in and like there's this giant wall in the bar, there's a giant wall of like 
crocodile articles um, yes. and clippings and photographs. And, you know, I don't know, man, you're a journalist. Maybe ask a question or two. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. I'm not a journalist, but uh, it feels like there was maybe more for you to dig upon uh, and yeah. show interest in. And maybe the reason you're angry about your job is because you're bad at it. You know, what I, I, I again, <clears throat> I'm a fan of Australian movies through and through. And I know I talked about this when we did Boar. Um, Greg, Greg McLean was one of the filmmakers that I spoke to when I did this sort of roundup of Australian uh, directors that had horror movies all coming out in the same year, I think like three years ago now. And uh, what I, a thing I enjoy so much about Disaster Fair from, from the country is how reflective it is of sort of the, the tradition of Australian filmmaking and the tension one of the themes in that of the tension between the the urban and the developed right like there the sort of like there is somebody touches on explicitly at one point i think it might be sam worthington about like why is this alligator keep coming after us and it's very much the sentiment of like we're in its territory and now that it's tagged us as a food supply it's not going to stop we shouldn't be here we shouldn't have come to this place it thinks we're moving in and it needs to eliminate the threat that's going to impinge on it. Yeah. So it has to get rid of all of us. And this like exterior rim of the country creeping in on the, you know, quote unquote, untamed interior. And then the also like seemingly like memed, memeable reality of Australia where there are so many things uh, that can kill you uh, around every turn. Like I just for fun was looking up things that can kill you in Australia last night. And there's this photo of just like, presumably out in in natural land uh just like a series of trees all you can see are the trees but the memed photo says this is australia there are 1275 animals that could kill you in this picture oh my god and you can't see any of them right. and then there's another i saw another one that was like it looks like somebody taking a photo from like their second story of their house out at their pool in in the nighttime and next to the pool there are like at least a half a dozen crocodiles and or alligators and you can see their eyes glowing, but you can also see a lot of other seemingly pairs of eyes glowing in the flash of this camera. And the over the text overlay on it says, you can only see 1% of the things that can kill you in Australia in this photo. And so I, I, I love seizing upon that. Yeah. And giving us a giant fucking boar, giving us a, a huge a crocodile need a bus. Kind of, yeah need a different kind of license to operate the vehicle sized animal in the crocodile in rogue um because i see that and i'm like ah yes this is the australia that i have been told exists by the internet where every every animal is extra large and extra deadly and what the fuck are you even doing here get out and go back to the city yeah I, I was actually surprised when I was like, wow, the only threat in this movie is a giant crocodile. That is right, yeah. that is almost quaint by comparison to my understanding of Australia. Um, yeah, and, I, yeah. We, we could have used some giant huntsman spiders coming descending from God knows fucking where to make everybody's life even worse. Yeah, that there's no giant spiders or, or snakes that can kill you or like a bird that can just suddenly, I don't know, crack open your head and eat your brains like a souffle. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yes. That's my, underst my understanding of Australia. I desperately do want to, like, I want to go there. I want to so. hold a koala, but I also am terrified. <laughs> 
of the entire continent because they have spiders the size of my forearm. And I don't know that I trust anything that has spiders the size of my forearm. Like, it really, like, it, it's a... It's a fun thing watching a movie like this, again, particularly set in Australia, because you see it and you're like, ah, yes, this fantastical sort of ancient crocodile that has been summoned because these people have gone into a place they're not supposed to go. And then it's and then like knowing that the spiders get as big as they do. Really, if I, I feel like if I was somewhere we're out in the wild, I actually saw a spider that was mostly as long as my forearm. I'd be like, that's not real. Like, that can't be, we have to be in a disaster movie right now because yeah. nothing in my reality context tells me that what I'm seeing is real right now. Yes. Absolutely nothing is connecting, and what I'm seeing is a prop. It is an effect. And, you know, I I I I would love to go to Australia and 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 know what the reality versus the special effect nature of of uh, of nature is of of nature is like there because I can't fucking imagine it. I've grown up on the West Coast my whole life in the United States and it's pretty tame out here. So like they have giant ass bugs in Texas. We don't really have giant ass bugs here in like California and Oregon and Washington. So I'm utterly unfamiliar. No, we have we have politely sized bugs. We have respect. That's like exactly every so often have. you see like one of those, I think they're like orb weavers or something. And they're like... Their bodies are about the size of a half dollar, and you're like, "Well, that's, right." The the thing that was un- haunting, mm-hmm. the thing that was haunting my entryway, yes. a couple of years ago. Yes, your your pet spider, your guard spider. Yes. yes. Um. So you we get those occasionally, but we don't like here in California. The things that'll kill you are are like mostly the earth, um, right? Yeah, just like acts of God sort of thing, and occasionally maybe maybe a mountain lion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is truly like watching. I, I never. I, there was never a moment in terms of the reality of it where I was like, "No, that crocodile doesn't exist in Australia." Because yeah, oh, I was it's got to be there somewhere. Yeah, and the fact that as they're cruising up, there's like an Aboriginal um, painting of a crocodile on the wall, right, suggesting that this is a land where there are have been for eons very, very unsettlingly large crocodiles. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, why wouldn't giant croc Australia to me in my head is sort of Skull Island from King Kong. So why wouldn't <laughs> why wouldn't there be a 30 foot long crocodile? Like sure. And you know, I was having I was I was really in this movie I was really rooting for the crocodile. Okay. Like I felt that cuz I was like, you know what? You came to his house. Yeah. It's not like crawl where the where they came into into their house. Yeah, sure. It's it's not like bore where like yes like in you know infringing on the natural world and like urban expansion like that totally that but like they they go past this threshold and you know kate's trying to do the right thing and is like oh this flare's gone up i i have a duty to go check it out totally believe that most of the people on the boat would be like actually you don't have to yeah and it's like no if somebody sent that up out in this area they're probably fucking desperate so yeah no we definitely do have to go check that out and, like, she knows she's going somewhere that she's not supposed to. And it's not even, like, this is an alien landed in our world or some, like, mutant hybrid that, like, has no place in our natural order or something. And it's a malignancy. This is just a giant fucking crocodile. And it had its home. And you showed up in its house. And it's, like, probably pretty pissed off 
that people are threatening it these days. So I was like, you know what? I don't want you guys to die, but I also like get what he's doing. Yeah. This isn't the this isn't the shark in the store from from that movie we watched a couple oh. like a couple months ago. Was that Bait? Bait. Bait. Yes. This yeah. was not the shark in the store from Bait 3D. If someone goes into your house, yeah, and you're a crocodile, you don't ask the person to leave, you eat them. You're a crocodile. So like shit shit had to happen. Yeah. You know, it's And funny, I did it's not want Michael bait. Varton fighting a fucking crocodile. No. I wanted Michael Varton eaten yes. by a crocodile. Yeah, no, I the whole time I was like, oh, I hate that the square jawed white guy is gonna be our hero. Cause I was just like, yes. I have no I have no interest in it. I have no I I was more anybody I was like, okay, give me Kate, who clearly has a backstory that I was very curious about that we didn't really get. Yeah. Because like, okay, what do we know about Kate? Kate drives a sort of like dilapidated riverboat thing kate right yeah never left her area she says seems to work for her dad yeah. like she she's like my dad will my dad will you know get concerned if we're not back on time so like it's a family business yeah she's never <clears> left <throat> the area like she's clearly knowledgeable but not you know doesn't seem to have a a scientific knowledge of the area or doesn't seem yeah. to really have like be like I'm a crocodile specialist or anything like that. No, she's she's just, she's a, she's a, she's, she's a, just local a local specialist. Yeah, she just kind of hangs out and you know, r- drives a she basically is the jungle boat cruise guide all day long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a pre-written script and just goes up and down and does this. And so I wanted to see Kate come into her own Versus what ends up happening, which is that we lose kind of the thread of Kate in the last act yeah. um, to really get full Michael Vartan steely-jawed heroism, which was not necessarily- Not believable in the fucking slightest for me. No, I didn't, I didn't see him being brave or survivable particularly. And also, I feel like an interesting thing, like he's not- Michael Vartan's character in this movie is not a bad person. No. But he's kind of, he's kind of a shit. And he sort of stays- a bit of a shit the whole time. Like when he has his, when everybody starts to like, when they've had to beach because it's amazing. The, the crocodile attacks in this, I love like first it like grounds their, their trolling boat. Then when Sam Worthington and his friend are out on their joy ride and they see these, these tourists who've been beached first, they don't really understand what's going on and they're just kind of making fun of them. And then once they realize something's happening, Sam Worthington's buddy is like, wait, why are they, why are they, what happened to the boat? Then their boat fully fucking explodes out of the river because presumably the crocodile has swam up from below and just launched it from one side. Yeah. Like, cracks look very cool. But like, so you got everybody on the little island. They're all kind of freaking out because obviously it's a stressful situation. And then like Michael Varton's kind of being super critical in a way that's like, listen, buddy, you just fucking got here and you don't really have any interesting insights. I believe that about him and the sort of asshole they had designed. And then later on, he's getting mad at Kate because he's upset too. And he's like, I don't even like animals, especially animals that can kill you. It's like, you don't like animals? Like, what worse character trait could you give someone that you really can't root for than you don't like animals? And like, at the end, like we're in our last bit and they have made it across the river and then he's going to go he ends up falling down this hole like in the in the ground because he's trying to get the dog Kevin out of there safely cuz Kate's like you got to protect Kevin obviously well Ke- Kevin 
like picks up the scent of Kate. So he goes running off to find her. He's chasing Kate down. He falls down into this circuit of tubes. He wasn't heroically going to find Kate. He presumed she was dead, which is fair. She just got attacked by a monstrous sized crocodile. I too would assume she was dead. He falls down this hole, finds her in like the crocodile lair. And then Kevin starts being a dog and he runs away again. He's like, Kevin, you piece of shit, come here. And it's like, you just called Kevin a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. Kevin is the only true hero in this movie. Yeah. Fuck you, and Michael like, Vartan. Yeah, we're we're at the point where like we're supposed to be on your side now. Yeah. And you're supposed to have proven something to us. But here you are. Yes, I understand that you're frustrated, but you're also calling the dog a piece of shit right now. And so I'm kind of like, actually, you're still the dickhead that we started this movie with who hates nature and animals. So fuck you, guy. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, like, I knew you would also be on that side of it, but I also was like, maybe I'm being too critical. Jordan will still <laughs> no. be right on this. But I was like, no, no, fuck you, dude. Like, nothing about you. Like, there there hasn't been a moment, which is weird because Michael Vartan has a very likable, like, demeanor for the most part. Oh, my God, yeah. And that's like, like he plays that guy. Yeah. Like, he's a heartthrobby guy. Like, he's the sensitive eyes guy. Like, never been kissed an alias. Yeah. Like, that's how we understand Michael Vartan. He's not like known asshole character player Michael Vartan. Yeah, and yet in this, I was just like, yeah, fuck you. When do you get eaten? Like, I'm looking forward yeah, to when do you movie. get eaten? Looking forward to that, which again, was a fun contrast to Sam Worthington, who like, so Sam Worthington's character, as we said, plays this like river, this river cruising kind of douchebag. Yeah, he's just like a river rat asshole. Yeah. Yeah, he's he immature. Is, I he is whatever the Florida panhandle equivalent of Australia is in my head. <laughs> um and it was just like, yeah, that's that wasn't how Hollywood has ever cast Sam Worthington since. And what a missed opportunity because he plays such yeah. a good like, I would love to see more dirtbag Sam Worthington. Yeah, just a little bit of a heel. He ultimately ends up being like not a good guy, but he has he is he is the only one who comes up with a constructive way to potentially get everybody across. Yeah, he and, and he, he does puts it. his ass on the line yeah. to do it. Yeah. He figures out that they can that it like they have a rope, they can string it across from one tree to the other and then they can kind of shimmy across the rope over the river to get to the land on the other side and that's how they'll get off this little island. And Kate's like, "How are we going to get across?" And he's like, "I'm going to swim it." I'm just going to swim real fast and hope for the best. And he does. Yeah, he does. He gets it across. Yeah, it act- it works. It, it actually 100% works. It works. Um, and it would have been a great plan if they hadn't followed one of the worst plans, uh, which is like, look, and I say this as somebody who knows that she could probably be a liability in a, in, in certain aspects. <laughs> like, I recognize that I'm not necessarily, like, I, I'd like to think that I would step up to the occasion most of the time, but I can't guarantee I, it. I believe that about you. I think so, too. But, like, I can't guarantee it. But I will say, as sort of a lesson to all the disaster divas out there. Yeah. Um, don't have your first person to test something out be your greatest liability. Right. Like this woman, like her husband had been snatched from the little island by the crocodile. Like she, she was already not going to be your MVP, but she was also at that moment, maybe your most distressed individual. Yeah. And, bef- and, and like, prior to that, she prayed. was melting down. She had been melting yeah. down about not wanting to be on the tiny island. She yeah. Melting. She was like a very delicate, uh, a very delicate constitution prior to her husband being eaten by a crocodile. 
Yeah, she was not the one to be like, let's, all right, someone's got to go first. Let's have it be this really frail and fragile woman. And then just, I, I found myself so not rooting for her. Yeah. Because she makes it halfway across, freezes up, and is like, I can't go on. I'm too scared. It's like, actually, I don't buy that because you're already up there. You've already gone far enough on this rope to prove to yourself that you can go this far. Yeah. You are at the you are at the second half of the journey now. That was that person who was that afraid would not have been able to get on the rope anyway. Right. They would have had to have been the last one across. Come on, you can do it. Everybody yelling at them from the other side. We're, we are going to get you. Don't worry. We've got you. That person does not go first, make it halfway, then lock up unable to continue when nothing disrupted her progress. It's not like the rope gave way a little bit and she had to grip for dear life. It's not like the crocodile was biting at her ass from the water. She just fully fucking stopped. And I I was like, no, I actually, no, I don't buy that. That person would still be on that tiny fucking island. They wouldn't lock up in the, it, it was too contrived in its suspense. We could have had the rope crash down because things were just getting, like, because it was not a strong enough branch. We could have had the crocodile jump up and start snatching people off the rope. I didn't like that as a believable moment of tension building. Yeah, I, I fully agree that it was just, I mean, she she decided that she was too scared to go on and stopped at the scariest part of the whole journey. Like scariest part. Really, yeah, I would be moving so fast. I would be walking on top of that rope. I'd be moving <laughs> yeah. so fast because that and is, I, you have stopped at the scariest fucking part. Like, and it wasn't even like she was like, "I'm tired, my hands hurt," like nothing. She was just freaked out and froze. Um, and I definitely the whole time was like, "Well, you know what? All of you, all of you, the jokes on all of you for setting this genius across first. Um, and then, of course, yellow shirt dad. Yeah, British British tourist dad. Decides, like, fuck it. I know how to solve this problem. I'm oh just going to be a British tourist about it. Which, like, I know the Brits have a, have a reputation of, you know, being, like, polite and, and proper and not having their emotions <laughs> on their sleeve. But uh, I will say a British tourist man is top five biggest assholes on the planet. Okay. I'm okay. just going to go out there and say that one. All right. I, I don't think, I just don't know enough. I, I just would, don't know enough. I, I feel like, I feel like it's a safe bet to say that if only because, um, well, one, every, I feel like I've gotten in multiple fights with like random British tourist men when I've traveled. Um, but uh, beyond I, I that. I can fully agree with you. Like, right? <laughs> Thank you. It, like it just, it, it like riles up the imperialist blood a little bit and suddenly they uh. get very like, why aren't you acquiescing to the needs of to my needs? And you're like, well, because there's other people in the world that you can't conquer. Um, so the fact that he immediately was like, fuck it, we're getting on the rope. And everyone's like, the rope. Well, and regardless of any, he was being aggressively male about yeah. it. He was being a total fucking guy. And being like, oh, I like my, this woman is not going to hurt my wife and my daughter. It's like, do you realize, what are you going to do? You going to shimmy out on that rope and fucking stab her and drop her in the river? You think you closing in on her was gonna with help? more weight and people on the rope is what is going to get her ass moving right now? And I would like to, th I would like to think that, again, that woman wouldn't have been on that rope in the first place because she would have been too scared. But like if other people 
did start coming behind her. I mean, fear is irrational. But also in that moment, it would be like, you have people behind you and one of them is a child. Yeah. And also, this is putting you in greater peril if you stay and let this rope weigh down and possibly collapse. It just, her continuing to stay still felt stupid. Him being, him insisting that he was going to take his daughter across and like, I don't know, light a fire in that woman's ass was going to get her moving was believably stupid. But like, once he was out there, it was like, yeah, how the fuck did you think this was going to end? Now there are three of you on a, on a meager rope line. Yeah. I also will say like, he was in, in the lead. So no one had to put the daughter up on that rope. No, 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 no. That didn't have to happen in terms of the reality of it. Like, yep. What were you, what was he going to do once he's on the rope and he looks back and he's like, why isn't Mia behind me? Nothing. Right. He's on a fucking rope. Let him go. Um, I was surprised. So anyway, obviously the rope breaks um, because there's three people on a rope suspended Uh and it breaks and they fall into the water and the crocodile gets um, anxious woman and father and daughter. Yeah. A relief to all of us. Yeah. And father and daughter make it back up on shore. And I was like, oh, wow. I really thought that he would bite. Like, I didn't, I didn't think he would make it. And that was right? one of the few times in this movie that it actually got me. Where I was yeah, that not, one got me. I was not expecting it. I did not see it coming. And then he he gets eaten and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, but I did love that before he died, mm-hmm. he realized what he had done. And he looks at Kate and he goes, I'm so sorry. And she doesn't say it's okay. She just kind of sneers at him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you're not forgiven, and now you're fucking dead. Yeah, it was it was good. I he got the death he deserved. Um, yes. Weirdly, in general, what I will say is, what a stealthy crocodile. Oh man, like, for its size, Jesus. Like not only for it, like it was definitely that situation of with boar where we'd be like, does the boar apparate? Like, how yeah. <laughs> Likewise, like this crocodile could just, I mean silence the air around him as, yeah. um, because there the water doesn't even you don't even hear like a rush of water as he lunges you out. don't you don't hear no. snapping of jaws you'll just suddenly like a character will just disappear yeah the the, the first husband the guy who disappeared first yeah. there's not a sound everybody just turns around and he's gone which was a bit like no i think at least yeah they would have like that guy would have screamed. Like yeah. he didn't. Like even if he if he bit him on the face, you would have heard something launching itself out of the water enough to grab and pull a grown man by the face into the water. Yeah. If he had bit him anywhere else, that man would have screamed. But he silently disappears, leaving not a ripple in the water behind him. Yeah, I had I had to rewind because I was like, where did he go? <laughs> that seemed a bit far fetched for our gigantic prehistoric friend. Yes, it was. It was just. In terms of the reality of it, that was one of the few places where I was like, I mm, not buying any of this. Like, didn't he he dies silently? Sam Worthington dies silently because um, it didn't need to be silent to be scared. Like, yeah. where the fuck were they going to go? Yeah, that thing could make as much of a scene as possible. And all these people are still trapped on this little island with diminishing real estate. Yeah, it could it it doesn't doesn't have to sneak up on them. They're fucked. Yeah, so like we didn't need that part. And we also it, it oh ah, my microphone. Um, and also it, it's not as if because like they save a lot of the budget for the crocodile itself for the end of the film, which I yes. appreciated. Like I appreciated Completely. how much we got of crocodile final showdown. 
But these are not things that would have been effects heavy. Like this is this is fully no. This is having an intern in the water splashing around, right? Like, yeah, we don't hear the sound of the crocodile. Yeah. We we could have done that. There could have been there could have been a few things that could have given us a better sense of like, oh, there is a crocodile. Um, yeah, <laughs> there is one. Right, and so that was that was something that I definitely. Um, you know, would have liked to have seen more of, and in terms of the believability, did tend to take me out of it a little just because I was like, that's just, this isn't like some sort of a vortex that opens that sucks them down. And that is how (laughs) these people were disappearing as if in a vortex. Um, And I I did love though, again, I always got to look for it in any kind of uh, crocodile alligator movie. I think it is when Kate, get snatched out of the yeah. water. We do see the roll. Yeah. We do see the grab of the prey and the roll underwater by the crocodile. And that was extremely satisfying for me. I did. I did think as soon as it happened, I was like, Jordan will be so pleased. Yeah. You've got to have the roll. It even does a funny land roll. Yeah. When we, when we meet up with it again in its, uh, in its, in its little apartment, in its little <laughs> uh, underground cave um, where it, like it, Michael, it's stalking around. It's, you know, wandering around its little recess underground. And it like, it's pursuing Michael Vart at one point because he's fallen down the hole and he's going to save Kate. And it's pursuing and it just like rolls its body around yeah. on the stone. And I was like, well, look at that's cute. <laughs> it is. It was sweet that it's like sort of, it was just that little sweet, like, oh, buddy. It was almost playful. You yeah. Know, you don't, you're just, you're just hanging out. You just wanted a friend. I see now. Sadly. Sadly, it does claim Kevin. I know. And a hero's, the one true hero's death in this film is Kevin. And yeah. I got to say, like, if Kevin had to die, because the uh-huh. whole time I was like, if Kevin's got to die, I'm going to be really mad. And I was yeah. glad that it happened off screen. Me, oh, me too. Yeah. Um, I was glad they didn't end up using him for bait, which was the original plan. Yes. Because I, I was about, I was like, lady, I don't care if you have cancer or mom wasting disease or what. If you yeah. really think that using Kevin is the best plan for this, like, I'm right. going to travel to Australia and hunt you down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Kevin got a hero's death. And yeah. I appreciated that it was a choice he made. That he didn't get eaten by the crocodile because he was, like, on the river's edge, which I was really worried that he was going to, like, just get yeah. matched. No, like he, he ran deeper it. into that cave. He ran, he ran into danger and, you know. He did. A braver, a braver dog than Michael Vartan's character could have hoped to have been. And like, again, at that point, he, I'm so unimpressed by Michael Vartan and they're in the, they're in that cave system and he's like avoiding being bitten. But like, and yes, we allow for, you, you must allow for exceptions in a movie like this and in action movies where like there's punishing violence and people get, keep getting back up. But when that crocodile lays out Michael Varton with its pure muscle gigantic tail yeah. and thrashes him against a stone w- interior wall of a cave, yeah. every bone in his body would have been dust. Oh, yeah. Like, that he didn't even have a limp was like, fuck no, man. Like, either don't have him get hit or have him register the hit because he gets tossed twice by that alligator. This thing is a crocodile. This thing is fucking huge. They are so strong. The impact of the tail alone would maybe fucking cut you in half. And then to get thrown against a stone wall. Again, I believe in the power of adrenaline, but like 
the spotlessness with which he rebounded from that was like, come on, come on. Like, this is bull. He's not as strong as the crocodile. No, no, no. And the croc, like, there's just no, no world in which he would suddenly become like, the superhero character that he becomes. By no. The end of it. Um, and yes, it was by necessity, but it was still like, ugh, fine. I did. I loved when his thumb got bitten off. I did. Yeah. He's like backed into a part of the cave. The crocodile snapping at him, snapping at him, and he's like trying to hit it away, like get out of its way, and just like it just gets like half of one hand clamped yeah. in its big ass crocodile jaws and just rips off half his hand. That was great. That was that yeah. was a real that was a real Greg McLean moment. That was I I and and, and deeply believable and uh, I'm glad that he walked away with more than just like a couple of artful scratches on his face. Yeah, and like a dirty shirt. Yeah. No, there was there was some damage to him and I appreciated that. Uh just going back to to Kevin the dog for one more second cuz the, the my, <laughs> yeah. my dog barking reminded me of it. Believability-wise, don't believe that she'd bring a dog on a river cruise. Like, I just don't I think, do believe it. I, I mean, I believe it, but I also think it's a bad plan. Like, as someone who brings her <laughs> as someone who brings her dog, like, a lot of places, and I bring him a lot of places. Um, he he is my companion on most things at this point in life. Uh, I've brought him to the dentist. They said it was okay, so I was like, uh, <laughs> all right, I'll bring him along, I guess. Like, this was... It, it, this was not my idea. One of them mentioned how they, a woman had had a poodle in there when I was talking to the receptionist about something. She's like, oh, so they brought a poodle. And I was like, I can just bring my dog here. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, bring- which, is, which, is, which, is why you, which is why you can't get up from the table at a coffee shop without Kit, Kit losing it. Well, no, no, no. In fairness, that is because no, that, Kit did that before I started bringing him everywhere. <laughs> Kit did that. Kit always does that. And then now, I, reality index of Kit believable. Yeah, Kit just has Kit. Kit just like he can be left alone for an entire day, and he's totally fine. <laughs> Kit has a deep fear that for some reason I'm going to abandon him in a public space, and I'm like, dude, what do you think is going to happen? Like, I've left you alone so many places. Why do you think that's what's going to happen? Anyway, so I feel like your cultural experience of growing up in Beverly Hills of Los Angeles is different than growing up. In and out back territory of Australia. I agree. I just think There's that if you have like, this, if you have the like degree my, of attachment that she had to Kevin, where it's not just right. it's clearly not just a working dog. Um, yeah, he's like her companion. I'm just saying it might not be a place where you bring your dog where there's dog eating crocodiles. Right. In, in her in her years of doing this, her hmm. precedence yeah. is that they leave the, you know, it's an extraordinary crocodile. True. And knowing that like my sister and her her husband who both work in agriculture, uh, they take Kimber out, their dog, during like harvest season and he's running out in the fields with them. It's a very like, I think it's a very nature people thing to do is to just bring the dog. See, I see Jordan, I'm not codependent with my dog. I'm a nature people. <laughs> I am, yeah you are you're in the wilds of los angeles in the wilds of los angeles and i'm like come on companion let's go which like ev- many people in the little town i grew up with would consider the los angeles to be the wild it is so it is deeply the wild yeah so that's not even that's not even a stretch of the imagination we we are you know we lose kevin in the caves yeah. it sucks uh inexplicably kate is still alive she's got a a, a bad bite in her calf but her torso seems to have been torn open and i don't know how she's still breathing um i don't again i didn't want the crocodile i didn't want this extraordinary creature 
perhaps singular, perhaps common to Australia, gigantic dinosaur crocodiles die. And I didn't want Michael Varton to be the one to beat him. But super cool how it does end. Great death. Great great animal death right there. Incredible. Like Michael Varton has just like a big log. It gets bitten by the crocodile, so it has a jagged edge. He's he's beaten at this point. He's a little weak. He's backed up against a stone, and the crocodile comes lunging out of the water at him, and he dives at Michael Varton. The try like oh, you don't see a human being. All you see are jaws around a a stone where there is presumably a man between the mouth and the rock and he's just gone but because he can't close his jaws because his jaws are around the rock he's just like gnawing at space and that's when Michael Varton stabs him through the head with the log that he has in his hand but it is he is fully consumed just wrapped up by the open jaws of a gigantic alligator. Yeah. It is pretty great. He he gets he gets heavily tongued by the by the by the crocodile. Yeah. He is just sitting in the gaping maw of a giant crocodile. It was cool. It was a really good cuz like it was good. you always wonder when you're watching this there's always like with a disaster movie your answer for how are they going to solve it is like 90% of the time we're going to bomb it. So fine. Yeah. But you always wonder with a giant animal movie how are they going to stop it because it's always something unique. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed that in this case, it was just giant fucking spear through the head. Uh, yeah. It just did, using the natural, using the, the land around it, around him. I really enjoyed this as a, as a solution to the giant animal problem. Yeah. And at that point, um, then once he pulls himself out from the jaws of the crocodile, he goes and gets Kate, they leave the caves Everybody else who has survived has made it to um, a spot where search and rescue has come to find them. I really appreciated that there wasn't like a love story planted between Kate and uh, Pete. I don't know. Is that his name? Pete? Michael Varton. And like, it wasn't like a, hey, maybe I'll come visit you in Chicago or maybe I can stick around, you know, the territory for a little bit longer. It was like, no, Kate knows that she's glad you saved her life, but also you suck and she wouldn't date you. So let's just call this off. Yeah. No, there was, it was definitely like, well, that was a traumatic experience we both shared. Let's never speak of it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As she's life flighted yeah. away. Yeah. Appreciated. Definitely appreciated that. <clears throat> definitely appreciated that there was no tender moment between the two of them. Um, in yeah. The last I really liked that. And uh, yeah. And that was like on the whole, a, a mostly believable movie. Uh, in terms yeah. of the reality, like the relative reality of it. Like I- I felt like it. Yeah, I was in. Yeah, if not for the Michael Varton of it, I feel like I, I he was a central part of my disbelieving. But the movie as a whole, it was very on board with. Yeah. If, if you just cut him out entirely and make it about Kate versus the crocodile, like fuck, exactly yeah, right. give me that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Extraneous male, yeah. extraneous bad journalist. Yeah. Um, I think that takes us to the reality, end of our reality index, which does throw us in- to a new segment of our podcast where we have a promotion to deliver to you guys. We have some spawn that we need to share with you. Oh, we want to share with you. This is the, no, I'm excited th- about this one. Here's the thing. I'm excited we we have a sponsorship thing. Yeah. That's that's just kind of cool on its face. I legitimately love uh the company that we're going to be telling you about right now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the role here. I'm going to say, folks, do you love movies? 
the good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like, it sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. And I say this as somebody currently wearing a Super Yaki shirt. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love from them. From super soft t-shirts, advocating for the immediate production of a third national treasure, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super mm-hmm. Yaki, yep. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. I say that as someone who's written and directed by Ryan Johnson's shirt is currently in the wash. Yep. Yep. Plus the team at Super Yaki screen prints all of their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND. That's going to be all caps and no spaces at checkout. If the spirit moves you, and it should, Disaster Divas, find yes. them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. And that is Super Yaki, Super Normal, S-U-P-E-R, Yaki, Y-A-K-I, superyaki.com. And truly, I have at this point, I think I have a half dozen Super Yaki things at this point. Um, Andrew, who runs the enterprise, it used to be a part-time operation that he did. Now it's full-time. He's a really kind person. Um, if you're going to support an upstart little pop culture centered like clothing brand super yaki's pretty rad so yeah thank you for joining us for that moment and that will uh pleasantly fling us into our you know very all too crucial what was this movie about portion of the show oh yeah for rogue what is rogue really about oh i mean i think this one's this isn't even a this isn't even like a, a deep read here this is this is pretty blatantly about colonialism like a hundred percent this yeah, is that's fair. this film is this is a this is an anti-colonialism film um you've got americans you've got brits uh yeah you've got like a bunch of just a collection of people who should not be there um mm-hmm. there's not like <coughs> a first people or an uh, aboriginal person to be seen in the entire yeah. film um, and they are cruising into a land that Kate explicitly is like, we're not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to go there. None of us are supposed to go here. Yeah. Um, to attack what is clearly like, because we see that, that, uh, wall marking that has an old drawing of the crocodile clearly has been there for a very long time. This, this is a culture or not culture, but like a, a heritage of very old croc, very large crocodiles. Yeah. And they show up, they get into the territory, they make a mess of it by yep. littering everywhere, leaving their They do. Boat. There's fucking wrecked boats, man. Yeah, Jesus. There's, boats. there's they, debris from the boats. Come on. They snap, they snap trees while trying to make this rope situation. Everyone's pushing each other around. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, of course, they go directly into the deep heart layer of the crocodile's land. And fucking kill it with a giant phallus. So I'm yep. just saying, hundred percent. This is a colon- This is an allegory for colonialism. Um, I, and, I, and at yeah. the end, of course, like the white man lives and the crocodile dies. So, like, yep. I not who I was rooting for. Not who I was rooting for. And like, yeah, not like as I said, 
they're in it. They're in his zone. Like they're in his house. He he dies in his own bedroom. Yeah. Like it's not even. It's not even like they're. They just kill him on the river. They go to where he. They go to his little his little crocodile apartment <laughs> and kill him. And it's like fuck you, man. Yeah. He even like he was even tapping out. He literally lays down for a nap. Yeah. This was not and, like a situation where the crocodile was like a relentless hunter who was stalking you through the woods. No, you stumble by accident upon him yet again. And instead of being like, yeah. oh shit, well, I guess it's just my time. You keep fighting. Fuck you, Michael Barton. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the people had gotten away and he, again, he's not looking for Kate. He falls into this series of, of tunnels. The people had gotten away. We clearly see that the crocodile is not continuing to pursue these people where they are going. He's like, well, that's my day. I'm out. And we see him like settle his little body, his big old body in and close his crocodile eyes to go to sleep. And then like, well, Michael Burns down there now and he knows he's not getting out without waking this thing up. So it dying is just like, man, that's super fucked up. Like would have preferred love Kate. But at that point, she's really, she's really been given over to crocodile justice. I, you know, I kind of would have rather both of them die. Yeah. Cause that I really, I really enjoyed the movie and would have, would have enjoyed it more if both of them had died. She would have been, I think an understanding sacrifice to the land. He would have been a shitty, uh, vengeance sacrifice to the land. And so, yeah, I, I have to go entirely with you. I think what you're saying, I think that is that is what this movie is really about. Oh, yeah. That's what this movie is really about. Yeah, this is this is definitely that. Like, which is, like, interesting because you've talked about how the, you know, Australian cinema is so often about, like, the encroachment of the of the tamed on the wild and things like that. Yeah. Um, and this definitely is that. But I think that it, it gets a little bit more global than that even in this one. Well, and that that was a, another thing that I did talk to to Greg about in that piece, and that was sort of corroborated by the other filmers, filmmakers I spoke with, um, the other Australian directors, was um, a like given over to their tradition of like the Australian madman character that you see evident in obviously the Mad Max movies and something like Razorback and a movie like The Loved Ones, um, and in in Wolf Creek with with John Jarrett doing such a great job, the sort of mad villain character, or or just sort of has gone fully has gone fully off the grid and is just crazy. Um, there is this sort of lawlessness that is imbued in the spirit of Australian cinema. And they talked about that being like, they are interlopers. You know, the white people are interlopers on a land that is not theirs. And they are also, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a prison colony. Like that was a place that, yeah, it was a place that was populated by people shipped from other countries because they were criminals. It was a place of, of lawlessness started by, you know, in its in its current form sort of germinated by lawless people yeah so the wider tension of a sort of outlaw spirit that you know you have that in your kind of sam worthington river rat character and we see that so much in nathan jones and boar like that kind of just wily that wily energy so yeah I, i there's I just, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite countries to look at the movies that come out of it and sort of consider the, the socio-anthropological aspects of, of what you're seeing and how it relates to, to the, the larger complexion of the country. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, it's been really fun to kind of explore that because it's something that I have not been familiar with as a concept prior to this, so. I very, think it's so rich. It's so cool. It is really, I've really enjoyed learning and kind of looking at these movies through that lens because, yeah, like, it's just not something that I'd ever considered and it's really interesting. Um, 
So with that in mind, Jordan, do you have dream casting for this? You know, I, I kind of like I'm OK with this sort of um, with this sort of ensemble of players. But I got it. I've, I've got to take Michael Varton out. Yeah, I've got it. I it, And it's not his fault. It's just I I don't I'm just don't jibe with it. I don't root for it. I want that to be like a Nathan Jones, you know, mm-hmm. like if that's going to be somebody it's going to if, if if it's not it, like either take his character out entirely or like put fucking Nathan Jones in there and have him be Kate's brother and they run the boat together and like they're going to get these tourists out of it. So I'm, I'm either going to going to put him in it as like a completely different vibe Michael Varton replacement or I'm just going to cut Michael Varton entirely and give this movie over to Rada Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, that's my, my instinct is to give it over entirely to her. And so it's yeah. not that like he and so it's that she lets she, you know, has everybody else swim across while the bait has caught the crocodile. She dives yeah. in last. She barely makes it. She fights the crocodile, like gets an injury, makes it on the land. And then she and Kevin, the last act is her and Kevin trudging through the woods. And then she like trips or something and falls into the crocodile's apartment and then she has her showdown so that there's no there's no discovering of another person. It's just her and the crocodile hand-to-hand combat. Um, yep. I 100% am on board with that as well. The only casting change I would make is one, I would probably eliminate a couple of the characters. Um, okay. Just for the sake of, like, I would get rid of probably the American couple entirely. Yeah, and photographer guy is pretty extreme. Yeah, like there's just I would I would have it be a smaller cast just so that we could spend more time with them because I would have been I feel like these are characters I would have liked to have gotten a little bit more out of, mm-hmm. um, so that I could have felt their deaths a little bit more. And then of course the only other casting change I would make is um, the crocodile would actually be Nathan Jones with a crocodile <laughs> head. That's totally legit right there. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it clearly. So they would think it's a crocodile, but it actually is just a dude swimming in the river wearing crocodile jaws. (laughs) Now that's an Australian madman right there. That is just a piece. So that's that's the only other change I would make casting wise. But otherwise, like it's it is Rada Mitchell's fantastic and it I really liked her. I felt I fully believed her as like a deeply capable sort of just woman constrained by circumstances yeah fully fully believed all of it um believed her attempts at authority while also feeling very undermined like yeah right there with it agree michael varton like just unnecessary which is a bummer like i like him as an actor it wasn't i wasn't yeah never just perfectly fine perfectly fine this isn't he wasn't playing a terrible man because his face is a terrible man face it was just like well this is just you just could have there could have been more here yeah, there could there could have been more. So yeah, so that's where that's where I stand as well. Is leave this cast mostly intact, just pare it down a little bit, get rid of the uh, <laughs> maybe the Scottish Irish chain smoker. Like, yeah. yeah, she was she was a treat. She was she had so much potential. What she did with she those, really did with those twenty seconds, like the eyes she made at Sam Worthington and his river rat buddy. She made the most of it. She, she made the most of it. She she made a meal of it like an Australian crocodile and a bunch of tourists. And she I, did. I really appreciated that. But again, I, I really just, hope she was just like a friend of Greg's. Yeah, and he was, he was just like, hey, you know, I don't know her name, but I'm gonna call her Patty. Like, Patty, <laughs> come to set. Like, get on the. You want to be on the boat? Like, you can totally do this. Like, maybe she's a total cut up in real life, and he just knew that she would be a good fit as as this idiosyncratic chain smoking kind of like 
wild, kinky-haired, like, Australian riverboat tour guest. I don't know. Yeah, but, she yeah, was, she was... She had a Rebel Wilson... She, she had a Rebel oddity. Wilson vibe to her, like an early Rebel Wilson vibe that I really... But without being so knowingly Rebel Wilson. And that's what I really enjoyed. Right. It was a very naturalistic Rebel Wilson vibe. It, I, I, I think... I just want, I think that this is uh, Celia Ireland, I think is this woman's name. Well, that answers the question life. of if she's Irish or Scottish. Uh, she is from Newcastle in South Wales. Sure. So neither and neither of the places I said. No, but yeah, just to give a little background on our surprise guest in the movie Rogue, Celia Ireland. So thanks for, uh, thanks for your, your, your work in this, Celia Ireland. Never saw you coming. I thought you were gonna read more about her. I was like ready. Oh and no, no, that, no! I just wanted to just give that. Uh, she is apparently uh, best known for her roles in the long-running Australian medical drama series. So a frequent, I guess, Australian performer, All Saints, as the character of Liz Birdsworth. Oh my god! In the, uh, and in, as the character of Liz Birdsworth in the Australian award-winning drama Wentworth. Okay, so just going forward, if I ever become famous, I'm definitely checking into hotels as Liz Birdsworth. Liz Birdsworth what a great last is a name. tremendous character name. That's going to be my pen name. Like, Birdsworth. Like, <laughs> God, Smith is so boring. Birdsworth is so good. You you definitely are more exciting than Smith. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's just, uh, that was just a, an attempt at Ellis Island to, to integrate uh Away from I, I do I do think perhaps one of the most surprising things about you is that your name is Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say my I middle name not gonna say my middle name because that's like the one thing that gives me a, some hair of anonymity in the world. But it is <laughs> I don't know. You're right. Amanda Smith is a pretty preserve your anonymity kind yeah, of name. My middle name is just as generic. Um <laughs> And and I can tell you that later, Jordan and but Jason. It's but it's it's equally as generic. I have the most white, like bland, just un- nondescript name. You would think that my <laughs> you would think that my family had come from like Upton upon Upton. England. Yeah, yes. like something upon something. Yeah, upon time. just such a boring name. Anyway, <laughs> so I guess that takes us to uh, to how many towering infernos this one gets for you. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I had a fun time. I really did love that crocodile. Um, Rada Mitchell is just so chronically underused. I, I like seeing a movie where that like features Rada Mitchell. Uh, and I, I like this collection of characters. And I like, I, I did like that there were so many of them because that means a lot of them could die and we could get a lot of deaths. I just didn't feel uh, like they we were got truly as many, disposable. Okay. Yes. They were truly disposable. So, so my thing is I didn't feel like we got as many deaths as we could have had given the volume of the cast. Sure, sure. Um, so Right. It, it, does, it does preserve the ones you care about. It preserves it, like, a tremendous chunk of the cast. Yes, it absolutely does. Like, Which, more of a testament to why this crocodile didn't need to actually fucking die. True, true. This was a crocodile who, this was not like a, a crocodile who hunted the way that we did when we played Oregon Trail as kids, where we like cleared, no. out, cleared out all the bison and then we're told we had to keep oh moving. Oh my God. Yep, just like more than you could carry meat spoiling on the plains yep. playing Oregon Trail. No, this crocodile was a conservative hunter, and I did appreciate that. Yeah, for its size, it basically just ate what it needed to live. Yeah. That's it. Good good for you, crocodile. You know, that's how, yeah. see, and that is why those crocodiles have lived there for so long, because they understand resource management. Sustainable. Mm-hmm. Sustainable farming. Oh, my God. It was a sustainable crocodile. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So how many? How many? Oh, sorry. Uh, Cro- Towering infernos. Do I give? Towering infernos. Do I give Muja yeah. Muja associate crocodile? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we made it through an entire podcast about a movie about a crocodile. We haven't mentioned Muja once. You're right, but he's coming in right in time. Yeah, he's coming in. Uh, Muja hive collect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I gave this so. I gotta say, I was I wasn't quite as high on it. I'm I'm three and a quarter just because. Okay. Yeah, just because like. I did feel like it was there were a few too many cast members, uh-huh. not enough deaths compared to the number of cast members, uh-huh. um, and so I would have liked a little bit more impact as a result. But it was a uh-huh. perfectly like it was a good movie. I did not there was not a single moment where I was like, "Oh, is this still going?" It was a fast moving movie. It was a fast moving movie. That, I was, that was really nice. I was really surprised by how far into it I suddenly was. Uh, it was good. It was it, and it was. I loved how much we really got our bang for our buck with crocodile shots at the end. And so I really did appreciate that. If we hadn't had so much full-length crocodile, I would maybe have not given it as much because we were so robbed of crocodile and through a lot of the movie. Sure. But yeah, no, I would, I'd do three and a quarter. It was a solid solid choice. Not not a bore, but not a bait. <laughs> yes, yes. Very true. Yeah. And so- uh, And so, yeah, yeah. does that, that brings us to tease- what we're going to be talking about next week. And we have we have an exciting guest. Yeah. So that'll be a fun time. So next week, going to be kind of an interesting choice for us. Um, we've got... Yes. Our guest host is going to be Karina Longworth, uh, which is really exciting. She... Woo-hoo. Yes. She hosts uh, Remember the, uh, You Must Remember This Podcast, which is an amazing deep dive on like old Hollywood, a lot of things that you... Old Hollywood things that you wouldn't normally know much about or you might know a little bit about. She did an amazing deep dive on Song of the South, uh, I think was her last season. Um, and she also wrote uh, Seduction, Sex, Lies, and Stardom in Howard Hughes's Hollywood. So she will be joining us to talk about the film Elephant Walk starring Elizabeth Taylor. Um, Elephant Walk. Which we neither Jordan nor I really know anything about except that no. except that it, it involves like Elizabeth Taylor going to India. And uh, that is available for rent on all the major services. So you've got your your U- YouTube, your Amazon, your Google, wherever you'd like to rent it, you can. Um, and that's going to be, I think, really fun. Going to be a, a big departure for us to go to something. Yeah, a, a Paramount Pictures classic yeah. uh, of drama, of, of dramatic cinema. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of like a, a little less, not, not a towering inferno, going to be a little bit more prestige. Um, and I'm really excited yes. to talk about it with Karina, so that'll be cool. Yeah. And uh, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on, in a handful of places at the moment, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. You can find me on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Cruciola. It's been a light month. Uh, I apologize for those kindly paying me. Uh, there was the whole road trip back from Oregon where I was for home for two and a half months. There were the fires in Oregon for the last, like, chunk of my stay there which was a real real uh railroading of the whole operation um and getting resettled back into la so i i am populating that with content uh such as you know this podcast and also uh the podcast i'm doing currently with alana bennett and christina grace tucker called a simple podcast where we are specifically analyzing uh with thematic episodes the incredible 2018 movie a simple favor so Join me on all formats and let's have a good time. It's a great one. It's just I it's it's great. I mean, I look, I I love a simple favor. Um, and the fact that you guys are deep diving it with the level of enthusiasm you are is just fantastic. 
Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, and I, too, feel great about it. Yeah. And then, Jason, can we find you anywhere? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Halftones. Uh, that's, 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 that's where I am. It's art, comics, all that fun stuff. A lot of, a lot I don't of know if anybody tweets re- recently. I don't know if anybody else heard <laughs> Jason's voice sounding differently just now, but I do hope that is what it sounded like on the recording so he can sound like a villain from a 1980s science fiction thriller did, action you were, did my voice sound way different you sound deeper yeah. and then there's like a weird oh, no. clicking sound underneath it oh, and it, no. it really sounds it really sounds like a bad guy placing an anonymous call yeah. to law enforcement in an action movie Ooh. telling them that like the child will not live if they don't oh, drop no. the money off at a specific location. Yeah, no, you're it, you. <laughs> it's the bad guy filter. Yeah, you're. Wow, we're we're using <laughs> a, we're using a, a new program, and uh, I I can't hear myself uh, when we record on this program, so I'll have to look at that I, after we're done. I cannot wait for you to hear this. <laughs> this is this is how you should place all work calls, all interviews from now on. <laughs> I'm taking you much more seriously at the moment. I'll take note of that. Also, uh, if, if any productions are hiring, you know, hit me up. Yeah, hire this is, this Jason. Is, this is Jason's real voice. He is available for VO. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Jason Jason does, having having been on a, a set with him, it was not a professional set. It was my garbage set. But he is, he is <laughs> an utmost professional. He is fantastic. Hire him to do sound, yes, post-production hire things. Hire Jason. I'm assuming that we have nothing but industry professionals listening to this podcast. No, yeah, this is all inside baseball, people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you can find me. I'm Amanda R. Tubbs on Twitter. Um, just being dumb about baseball mostly and social justice issues and um, <laughs> just whatever whatever thoughts float into my head at any given particular moment because I spend too much time on Twitter. And uh, also, if you haven't heard me talk about it, I have a a book of kind of illustrated microfiction that is a mix of sort of like Inglorious Bastards meets baseball, um, <laughs> in which a baseball player fights Nazis in the 1940s Germany and then also plays baseball for the 2017 Dodgers. Um, and that's available on Amazon. It's called Le Renard Argenté. And that is a good thing. Ryan Johnson has said that he likes it. So, you know. Take that as you will. Yeah, that's take that indoors. Yeah, I would say like also the the sports people who have said it, but honestly, like I'm assuming no one who listens to this podcast is going to know what a Keith Law or an Adam Amin is. So, <laughs> like, I'm just assuming that's not a big crossover crossover audience. Sure, right sure. There. Um, well, hey, then, we might be making new friends to have with some elephant walk. Next that's true. Week. We're gonna Bring get a whole new fan. We're gonna get a whole fan base of people who are gonna be like, whoa, you guys watch nothing but trash. We were we were under the impression of something otherwise. Yeah, we did not expect Liz Taylor. Yeah. Um, oh, and then of course for the podcast itself, you can find uh, Disaster underscore Pod on Twitter. You can find Disaster Girls Pod at gmail dot com. Um, we're on Letterboxd as well. I have done a really good job of like actually curating, making sure I keep track of what movies are upcoming. So if you're like, hey, are you guys going to talk about this movie? Just check it out on Letterboxd. Um, and we're Disaster Girls on Letterboxd as well. And uh, rate Excellent. and review, you know, we guys, unfortunately, we didn't reach, it's the end of September, and we didn't reach 75 ratings and reviews, so we're not going to get to see Jason in his- uh, Oh, goth, a reprieve. A goth skater child best, uh, unfortunately. Oh <laughs> so that's a bummer. 
Um, but hopefully we'll, you know, maybe start thinking of ways to get you guys to write like one more review in for the month of October. So do that. Bully your friends. And we'll see you. Bully your friends. And we'll see you yeah, back next week on. for uh, Elephant Walk. We will see you then, guys. Thank you. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>